Hey, listeners, before we get to this episode of Problem Solvers, here is a word from our sponsor. Where do you go when you want to create, manage, and grow your business online? Wix, the leading website creation platform. Create a site with designer-made templates that can be customized for your business and looks great on all devices. Reach new audiences with intelligent SEO tools designed to get you found on search engines and manage it all from one place, at home, at the office, or on the go. You'll never miss a thing when it comes to your business. So join over 200 million people already doing it and head over to Wix.com to get started. And now, on with the show. From Entrepreneur Media, this is Problem Solvers, a show in which entrepreneurs do what entrepreneurs do best, solve unexpected problems in their business. We were completely wrong. And I'm just like, it's not selling. It was like, we have to start from scratch. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, the editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. Do you write down your ideas? And do you feel like if you do write down your ideas that they are worth sharing with others that... Maybe you have a book in you later or right now that the things that you are putting down, your ideas about how to run your business are useful to other people. Do you feel that? I know that many people do. It's obviously the reason why so many people want to write for entrepreneur.com and that people publish their own books. And so this is certainly not abnormal, but I actually suspect that most people feel like they don't have something to say or that they aren't at the level yet where they have something to say or that even if they wrote something down, it would be way too presumptuous to assume that other people would want to read it. And this is a mistake. That is certainly the feeling of Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio, you probably recognize the name, but just in case you don't, he's the founder of Bridgewater Associates, where he built a multi-billion dollar asset management company. And he also very famously kept lots and lots of notes, and they formed the basis of his 2017 New York Times number one bestseller, which is called Principles, Life, and Work. And Ray and I were talking a little while ago, just kind of a casual conversation. We weren't recording it or anything. And uh, and we got to talking about this and about how some entrepreneurs do write things down and share, but a lot of them, I think, don't and don't know if they should and feel like it's presumptuous and all that. And he said, that is such a shame. And everyone, everyone, everyone should write things down. You should always be writing them down because you have something to offer other people. And also writing things down just helps you with your own clarity of thought and it can help your team. And as we talked about this a little bit more, I thought, you know, we should we should get together again and record this because I think this is a powerful thing for people to hear that it doesn't matter what stage of business you are in, you have something to offer and it should be written down. And so Ray said, yeah, of course, let's do it. And uh, that is how we ended up doing this. Sure. I never wrote it down because I thought that there were words of wisdom to pass along to other people. That, of course, is Ray explaining to me that the reason he started writing his principles had nothing to do with, you know, some future bestseller book. I wrote them down because I needed to reflect in a quality way about my decision-making. Anyway, we're going to dive into all of that and more. Ray and I ended up having a really long, fascinating conversation about the importance of writing things down for so many purposes and why you, if you are not writing things down right now, you should start 
You should grab a pen or grab a voice memo recorder or grab anything. doesn't matter. Start recording your ideas, your processes, your thoughts, your approaches, your insights. It matters. It matters to you and it matters to others too. As Ray Dalio is going to convince you of, I am quite sure. So today on Problem Solvers, we are talking about the problem, your problem, of being ambivalent about writing things down and why it is time to start coming up after the break. If you're listening to this podcast, you must recognize the value of asking questions. At Aramco, our questions help us engineer a better future. How can today's resources fuel our shared tomorrow? How can we deliver energy to a world that can't stop? How can we deliver one of the fuels of the future? How can we sow curiosity to harvest ingenuity? To learn more about how innovation drives us forward, visit aramco.com slash powered by how. All right, we're back. So look, let's just dive into it here. I told you the setup of how Ray and I originally connected and the thing that I wanted him to address. And you heard the very, very beginning of his answer, but I'm just going to back up so we can really set the stage so you can hear him go because he has so much purpose in his writing that it just, it just flows from the second he starts speaking. And here it is. Lots of people are going to say, well, I want to know what Ray Dalio has to say. I'm going to read what he has written down. And a lot of people feel like I'm not in that place yet. It's not time for me to write things down. But you said, actually, that's completely wrong. It's always time to write things down. And I was hoping you could just start off by addressing that. Sure. I never wrote it down because I thought that there were words of wisdom to pass along to other people. I wrote them down because I needed to reflect in a quality way about my decision-making, the criteria in my dealing with my realities. And I wrote it down also to communicate well with the people that I was working with so that we realize that everything is an interaction with reality and reality works in a certain way. And when we make decisions... We don't adequately reflect on the criteria that we're using to make those decisions. And that I found, and I urge others to take that moment. It may not be at that exact moment. Maybe it's the next day afterward, or maybe it's before making the decision to start to think about the criteria using for writing it down. And you write that down and you start to think why. So the benefits that I found were, first of all, I thought more clearly about the things. And everything happens over and over again. Everything is just another one of those. So whatever it is, you're going to have another one of those. You're going to have many of those. You're having to let somebody go. You're taking advantage of one opportunity versus another opportunity and so on. And if you could kind of think in that principle way, you have that written down and you can communicate with those that you're working with about the criteria you're using, it's very easy to, and you're understood better. I found I was understood better, and we could even talk about those criteria. So when the next one came along and the next one came along, it was advantageous. And you start to think in a principled way rather than like the blizzard of everything coming at you one by one. It's you start to categorize them. You start to think about Something like, I'm encountering a species of things. What species is it? How does that species operate? And how should I interact with that species effectively? 
And so it was those purposes that accumulated into the thing that I made a compendium of. When I stepped out of the CEO job, I decided to make sure it was a compendium that I could pass along to people. And that was that was the book, but the necessity. And of course, some people think it's presumptuous to put them out. That's sort of stupid. I wish that so many people had done that. Think about all the different successful people and their recipes for success and their recipes for encountering problems. And I wish I knew about those things because they're, they're, they're learning lessons. So the book that I put out was to help them, but I also, it's life and work principles. I'm glad that even beyond me, my grandchildren will have that book because it would be the advice that I'd want to give the grandchildren. And I wish a lot of other people did that. So it's all of that, really, that makes me urge people, encourage people. I have a principle also. Pain plus reflection equals progress. And because whatever pain you're facing is an interaction with your reality. And to be able to calmly look at that, reflecting well, how does reality work? How should you interact with reality to get the results that you want? That kind of reflection leads to progress. So it's for all those reasons that I recommend to write them down. So that is a fantastic summary of why to write it down. And you have laid out really three use cases for writing it down, as I understand. One is to write it down for yourself. One is to write it down for people who you work with. And then one is to write it down for others to learn from you. So let's walk through each of those a little bit. Writing it down for yourself is interesting. I feel like you were laying out this reality that people often forget, which is that we are pretty bad caretakers of our own history, which is to say, if we just leave it to our own memories, we'll forget how we felt or how we did something at any one particular time or what the exact outcome of it was. And writing it down pins down the facts so that we can go back later and say, aha, this is what happened at this time. So now that I'm facing this again, maybe I can learn from that rather than to stretch my own recollection of it. And actually, it reminds me, Ray, of advice that I got not long ago from the CEO of a company called Good Judgment, which is a forecasting company. And I was asking him about how to make better decisions. And he said, one thing that you can do is make a pro-con list. Now, everybody says make a pro-con list and look at it, but that's not that useful. But what's more useful is making a bunch of pro-con lists. You make a pro-con list, and then you put it aside. And then the next week or next month, you make another pro-con list without looking at the first one. And you do that again. And then you've got a couple pro-con lists and you can look at all of them and you can see what is actually important to you, what is consistent and what things are not that important to you that just happen to be on your mind at any one moment. In any case, you're pinning it down for yourself. So I'd love for you to reflect a little bit more maybe from your own experience about how writing things down simply for your own record was useful and how you how you did that, how you found the time for it. Did you organize it into notebooks? What did you do so that it was useful? Well, first of all, I want to start off and I would say that was a very good piece of advice that whoever gave it to you gave. And it just brings the realization that I'm trying to emphasize that everything is another one of those. Almost anything mm. that has happened, it ain't the first time that it has happened. And when you're looking at things individually, it's like being in a blizzard of things that are coming at you and you're trying to deal with them one by one. And what his suggestion does is it allows you to look at three. So I always look at what is an archetypical one and so on. So you think differently. You think differently because 
you start to think, okay, it's an ah, it's another one of those. How do I deal with those? Okay, and you have that learning and that recollection, but also you have the recipe, which is evolving. And that's just true for all learning. If you're a chef and you make these meals over and over, you get better at being a chef. If you're a doctor, everything's a case. The more cases you go through, you start to understand all oh, those are how those cases go. And that's true. And that enhances your learning that way. So you think differently. You think better. You rise above it. You accept your realities. A lot of people get hung up with the fact that reality isn't the way they would like it to be. And they get hung up on that. Okay. No, reality is reality. And it doesn't give a damn what you think about it. It is reality. And it's your job to think about it. And so by those types of reflections, it helps that kind of reality thinking. So as far as the time question, it's actually fun and it doesn't take much time. Like I usually deal with, you know, right after I make a decision or at the time of making a decision, kind of when it's fresh in my mind, although sometimes the decision needs to be made more promptly. So it's right after. But I do it very quickly. Like I'll go on to my iPhone often and I'll just dictate them. And then I'll look at that and then I'll come back and I'll edit it. But editing it isn't just for things like grammar and punctuation. It's about, oh no, but I think about this and I think about that. And then it becomes deeper and richer. And then I just take it and I put it in a pile. Eventually what happens is the pile goes into a category. Okay. That's how the book, you know, sort of written, uh, they have all these categories, but they didn't come around that way. They just ended up like I needed to take this whole bunch and put them into little files. And that's how it happens. Now let's expand it out. That was writing for yourself. Writing for the people that you work with is an interesting thought because it's just so much more convenient to walk over to somebody or call them if we are in remote work and just tell them what to do or have a conversation and then hope that it sinks in and maybe have multiple conversations. And I'm guilty of this myself. The way that I communicate, for example, my thesis for Entrepreneur Magazine to anybody who joins the team is largely through conversation. I don't have some written down record of what our mission is. It's an oral history, now that I think about it. Tell me why I am doing it wrong and how to do it better. First of all, it's much more granular than what your mission is. And it's really great that you're having the communications and verbal conversation can be very good. So I'm not saying verbal conversation is inferior to writing it all down, although writing it down means it can stick. It means you can go to the file, you can read it. It's easily accessible. When you have a conversation, it disappears and it's subject to interpretation and so on. But the thing I want to tell you is it's more granular than that. In other words, every day when you're thinking, do I let somebody go? Do I have the budget? Do I whatever it is, those types of things is very much more granular. So the people you're working with are watching you make decisions. Are they your partners in this decision? Do you care about it? Are you the holy grail that has all the answers that you're going to be bestowing on them? Or do you want them to think about your criteria? 
Okay. In my case, I remember it was when I went to 67 people because I remember it very well. It was the holiday season and I always bought gifts that were personalized and I wrote long notes. But when I got 67, it just busted me and I couldn't do it anymore. And I said, how do I have that communication? So that quality of communication and then it produces leverage. Because somebody in some department is dealing with somebody in another. You know, I grew the company, had 1,500 people, different people in different places. And, okay, do you want continuity and logic behind those things? Or are they going to have all different interpretations and so on? So how you should be, it enhances partnership. It enhances consistency. It provides the direction. So I'd emphasize At a granular level, it explains why, so you're understood better, so it makes a better partnership. It sticks so that they can refer it. I developed a tool. By the way, it's online if if anybody wants it. There's something called Principles in Action. It's a free app online, and one of their parts of it is an app called a coach. And the coach lets you put in whatever your situation is, ask a question, and it'll direct you to the appropriate principles. So, because it's not just that these principles are something to memorize or something, it's really more like a coach. If I have that question, gee, I'm in this situation, what should I do to be able to direct and then consider? That doesn't mean necessarily, I don't want people to blindly follow. I want them to think about criteria. And so that directs them that way. So that's why the relationships with others and having consistency of quality control and being partners in the thought behind the criteria are all improved by that process. Do you create some kind of structure by which people come to expect these processes to be written down and delivered? By which I mean, are you building a guidebook for your business? Are you sending out memos where necessary and then collecting them so that people can refer back to them or just expecting that people are collecting them on their own? I'm just thinking quite tangibly as entrepreneurs who are listening to this might be thinking, you know, maybe I don't have as much as I need to written down so that people can refer to it. How they start building that body of work so that it is really useful for their teams. um, Building the body of work, it's just so simple. You know, it's like you write down a principle and you pass it along and then you accumulate them and you might have discussion. So you're just communicating and then you have them. You know, it's like making a recipe. How did you cook this thing? And you said you chopped onions and you write it down. Okay, and why? It's not meant in any way for blind following. It's the opposite. What you described when you walked there and you told them what to do, that is intolerable to me because it disrespects them and it doesn't make them think about why. They're just doing it. Why? (laughs) Why should they do that? Okay. There's no why. So that makes them dumber. You got to think about why and the communication, the why is very important. And now, our next sponsor. As host of this podcast and editor-in-chief of Entrepreneur Magazine, I hear a lot of startup stories. I've heard the problems, the decisions, the mistakes, and when it comes to cloud technology, I have seen way too many startups experience vendor lock-ins and surprise bills and wind up with cloud tech that just can't do what's needed. For something that important, you need the real deal. And Oracle for Startups is that real deal. 
You might think, ah, I'm too small for Oracle, but you're not. They do free cloud credits and 70% off from day one for two years. And with the power of enterprise cloud on your side, you can trust that what you've built will not break as you scale. Oracle sets you up the right way so your startup isn't held back. If you don't want to spend all your time worrying about your tech, just go to oracle.com slash problem solvers and see how Oracle for Startups can help get you to the next level. Again, that is oracle.com slash problem solvers. All right, we are back. And let's pick up the conversation where we left off. You're framing things in terms of principles, which I know is the work that you have produced and clearly the way that you think. Is that what you're suggesting that people do on their own as well, is sort of formulate the reasons that they do things into what they would consider, whether they use the word principle or not, as principles, which is quite different than, for example, just methodology. You're getting philosophical about it so that people understand not just how to do something, but like you just said, the rationale behind it, which is then scalable. Because if I understand the thinking behind something, then I can apply that thinking in other ways. Yeah, I don't mean to be philosophical more than practical, but it does raise philosophical questions because there are different levels of principles. But in all of those cases, it prompts that reflection. What do you want your life to be? Why? What are you trying to do? That's the higher level principles. You're living out what you're trying to do. And then you go down to another level. How are you with people? And what do you want people to be like with you? And then you go down to the next level. So the, the principles, principles, I simply mean the recipes of dealing with your realities. There's realities and how do you interact with your reality? I could have called them recipes. But when you go up to higher level principles, you're also dealing with how do I live my life? Right. And this is where I, I use the word philosophical, not because I meant that everything that you're describing here, I'm understanding to be high-minded, but rather that you are applying not just what to do or how to do it, but rather to be thinking through the logic that undergirds it all. I think that you're wise to use the word principle instead of the word recipe, because recipe is simply a list, a list of things to do that will create a particular outcome that you're looking for, right? The recipe for an apple pie is repeatable insofar as making an apple pie. But a principle has scalability. I can read a principle and digest it and then apply it outside of whatever particular example the principle might have been applied to. And in that way, you're creating something that doesn't just give people a guide for working, but a guide for thinking through the work. Yeah, and it's less instruction than also thinking about why. If I get a recipe, do this, cut the apple, do this, and so on, I follow that instruction. When I'm trying to convey the instruction and then also deal with what is the nature of things and how they're put together, those timeless and universal truths. Okay, so apples have these elements and sugar has this element, you know, or whatever. And there's an element of why. I like the whys behind the decisions. Right. When you follow a recipe for an apple pie and it turns out delicious, you don't actually really know why it turned out delicious. <laughs> You're not, you don't know how the things interacted and therefore you can't take that science and apply it to something else. You literally only know how to make that apple yeah. pie. And so it brings you to a a higher level thinking and it starts like how does the world work because every time you touch a bit of it 
you learn more about how reality works. And so it's reflecting, okay, how does reality work? And therefore, how should I interact with it well to get what I want? And I would say religions, it's almost like choosing your own religion in a sense, based on logic. Because if you say there's wisdom in history, a lot of religions have a lot of wisdom and history and so on in them. But they also have the following the instructions. And this also deals with how should you live your life? Where do you want to go? And then you bring it down to those recipes, so to speak. Finally, let's just spend a minute or two zooming out to the final Zoom, which is writing things down for others to consume who you are not working with, for the public to consume, for the future to consume, your grandkids you had described, but also other business people who you may or may not have any interaction with, writing a book, however it is. It occurs to me as we've been talking about this that you're describing not just the writing of one project, but a consistent writing such that these things level up. You write for yourself, which translates translates into writing principles for others that you work with, which translates into writing broader principles that others can consume. And I wonder what insights you have about that process of leveling up. For example, I just wrote a book of my own between January and July, and I only had an hour or two a day to write it. And people tell me, how did you write a book during that period of time? And the answer is because that's not the time when I came up with all the ideas. I'm building off of ideas that I've had for the last five years that have been written down in various forms because that's what I do. I write magazine stories, I make podcasts. And so I had all this material, and then it was just a matter of assembling it. And I wonder if you experienced something similar or if you you have any guidance for people who have created this, let's just call it body of work through communication and written forms, through the development of principles and other ways of thinking for themselves and for the people that they work with, such that now writing a book, putting something together that can be useful to others is no longer some monumental sounding task because you have so much material to work with already. Well, you're dealing with two things. First of all, the having material that you put together that makes it easy to pass it along. And then the question of passing it along, why and all that. I mean, simple answer to your question is yes. Having written it along, written it down and having all of that and organizing and putting it together is certainly an easier path. In addition, though, there is the why. And I find a lot of people don't pass along to others their wisdom or their the things that they can. Sometimes very smart, very capable people who didn't pass it along that I speak to said, well, I feel it's so presumptuous to pass it along. And that's why they did. Well, that's tragic. Because everybody can take or leave what you're passing along. <laughs> it's not egotistical. I really would have liked to have known that thing. And then the, what is the motivation? Doesn't mean you have to have this motivation. But if you have a motivation, which is to help others and understand this isn't instruction. This is just advice to take or leave if it's valuable and what you do with it. That becomes the motivation. So for me, I didn't pass it along. I've been writing these principles for something like 25 years. And then I decided that, okay, I'm stepping out as the CEO and people have asked about it. And well, actually, the way it happened was we have a very different culture, which is a whole other subject. But when I wanted to stay below the radar and didn't have any intentions, and then some media person or something described our culture so inaccurately that I said these internal principles, which were organized a bit, I'd put them online 
so that you could see what they were in response to that. And 3 million people downloaded it and it was passed along. When I retired, I decided to put out the book. But the motivation is, I think it's the, the best thing I can give somebody is how to be successful. It's like mentorship, which they can take or leave. So anyway, yes, if you've got them written down and you've got them organized, then that makes it a whole lot easier. And the motivation is you can pass it. So imagine how I do feel of really believing this, that some of these life principles, I will not be around when my grandkids get to be a certain age. And they'll at least be able to look up in terms of principles of life and take what I think. And so that's something that's a motivation. Ray, I'll just offer this one last thought attached to your thought, and then I'm curious for your response to it. And then I'm going to let you get back to your day, which is what you described as people being concerned about it being presumptuous to write and release their thoughts. And you said, no, you have to think of it totally differently. It's helpful to do that is interestingly something that has been going on for a very long time. So I just, I'm a big fan of history and how history repeats. And so fun fact, when the post office was developed in America and it became cheap or relatively affordable and easier for people to send letters to each other for the first time, people didn't really know what to do. And the reason for that was because if you're going to send letters to somebody, maybe a family member who you haven't seen in a very long time and who you may never actually see again, because we're talking about a time in which travel was very difficult, what do you tell them, if not what you are doing. But that was seen as vain because in a more religious society where vanity is a sin, the idea of going around and talking about yourself and sharing what you're thinking and doing was looked down upon. And so now there's letter writing available and people don't know what to write to each other because they think it is presumptuous of me. It's a sin of me, in fact, to focus on me and write about me. But what else is there to write about? And so all these advice books had to come out at the time that reframed it for people and said, no, 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 this is not vanity. We have to shift our understanding of vanity. This is helpfulness. This is a gift. When you reach out to somebody and you share what your experience is and you know that they can take value from it, if it's a family member, it's because they care about you and they want to know how you're doing. But, you know, you think more broadly, it's because maybe you have some wisdom or something to share with the world. That's not vanity. That's not presumptuousness. That is a gift. And that is a version of the thing that you're describing now on a much smaller basis where somebody has a career, they have learned quite a lot, and yet they still feel uncertain about whether or not what they have to offer others is a gift. And I wonder what you have shared with others to convince them otherwise. Well, I just make clear it's for them to take or leave as they like. And we could talk about it. I go online and there are many people, there's a principle of the day and we exchange thoughts about those types of principles and they can say whatever they want and, and so on. That's an exchange. We're just trying to get at the best answers together. And, and then you find out the feedback about whether that's helpful or not. And it brings me joy that people come up to me regularly and they say, you've changed my life or this has helped in this way. That's why I'm doing this podcast with you. Three and a half million people in 34 countries. And I wouldn't have guessed that. And if it didn't sell or people didn't want it, that's fine too. It's just like, here it is, cook this meal. You can take it or not. And you decide if it tastes good or not. And that's what it is. Right. Your job was just to cook it and serve it. Ray, really, really valuable advice. And I hope people write it down. Thank you, Jason, because we're sharing a purpose here. And the purpose is to try to help people and you're doing it your own way and I'm doing it in my way. And so thank you for helping me do it. Thank you. 
And that's our episode. I would love to hear what you think and maybe even about a problem that you solved. You can find me at my website, jasonpfeiffer.com. J-A-S-O-N-F-E-I-F-E-R.com. Also, I have some more useful stuff for you. I write a newsletter about how to future-proof yourself and become more adaptable and optimistic. I would love for you to sign up. It is at jasonpfeiffer.bulletin.com. Also, check out my other podcast. It's called Build for Tomorrow. In each episode, I take on some belief that we have that holds us back from progress and show you why it is not as bad as you think. Problem Solvers is a production of Entrepreneur Media and comes out every Monday morning, so make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. Thanks to Deepa Shah for production. My name is Jason Pfeiffer. See you next week.